music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. We are super excited to welcome Canadian recording artist Amanda Marshall. Amanda has released her latest album called Heavy Lifting and is here to tell us all about it, not to mention what it was like for her to experience opening up for Whitney Houston back in the day. Whitney is a massive inspiration to Amanda, and it's really interesting to hear her story and just what it was like to be on the same stage as Whitney Houston. We also jump into our vintage vault and welcome back to the show choreographer, dancer, teacher, and dance studio owner Kelly Kono talking about the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and what it was like to work with Janet and learn the amazing but very intricate choreography that features on the Rhythm Nation album. Thanks so much for hanging in with us. We cannot wait to get on with the show. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. So excited to welcome to the Kelly Alexander Show a Juno-nominated diamond-selling artist who not only has a new single out, she's heading out on tour, and she's got a new album, Heavy Lifting, on the way. Amanda Marshall, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Hi, thanks for having me. So I wanted to start off by saying uh, there has been such excitement when you made the announcement that you are back with new music, <laughs> a tour. And I just wanted to know, like, did you expect this? Because I've been talking to some of my colleagues at the radio station and just some friends. And like the minute the news came out that you were coming back, everybody was like, oh, my God, I love her. <laughs> well, that is so sweet and very gratifying. And I, I have to say it has been an extraordinary few weeks. I had zero expectations if there's one thing I've learned from my time and tenure in the music business, it's that nobody knows anything about anything ever. So I had no expectations, but we've, you know, the feedback has been immediate and amazing. I've been getting calls and my phone's been blowing up with calls and emails and texts and messages. And it's really, really been an amazing, amazing few weeks. So it's very, very gratifying and very exciting. And I'm, I'm very humbled by, you know, this really warm reception we're getting. Now, I saw uh, that my hometown here in Montreal, that your show is already sold out. So what does that mean to you? Because I know there's some other sold out shows also. There are. Uh, we, we've, we're sold out in Toronto. We're sold out in Montreal. There's a couple of others. I, I am sort of in shock. And I love Montreal. And it's funny because the venue that we are playing in Montreal, the Corona Theater, is also the venue where we filmed, uh, I think in 20, 2001 or 2002, we filmed a, a DVD. We filmed a live show for a DVD. I love this venue. So I was really excited to come back to play it again and to have sold it out in just a matter of hours. It was sort of amazing. So I'm sure we'll be back again for the people who haven't gotten to see, it, see the tour this time. But yeah, we're so excited to be back. Now, for all of us who love you so much, it's been a minute since you've put out an album. Are you nervous? Are you excited for us to hear it? Like, where where's the emotions lie? And what do you want us to take away from the from the album? I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. You know, this is the first record that I have written and produced myself. And I did it sort of purposefully. I did it. We did it that way. I'm so I'm excited for people to hear it mostly because I love it. And there was considerable question sort of towards the end of this 20 year period of my absence about whether or not I was going to make music again publicly for people. I was always writing and recording. So I had this sort of stash of music that I would take out and kind of, you know, put away and take out. And around 2017, I kind of got a, a, a push from a friend who's a, an American record producer who I was on the phone with, who said to me, sort of, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I don't know. I was being kind of flippant. And I said, I, I think I'm going to paint the bathroom. And he said, I don't like this. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I said, what? He said, I don't, I don't like you not doing things. You're too young to retire and you're too good not to try. 
And I sort of thought, oh, that was kind of hit me right in my ego. And I thought that was sort of the kick that I needed to kind of get into high gear. Um, of course, just as we finished the record and committed to the tour and were ready to go back out on the road, the world shut down. So we've really had time to marinate with these songs. And I'm really excited for people to hear them, mostly because I have a substantial amount of faith that audiences are receptive to hefty, you know, substantial pieces of material. And that's what this is. It really is a substantial record. It's not an entirely confessional record. It is in some ways, but not in, I think, in ways that perhaps may not be immediately obvious to the audience. So there are a lot of layers, there are a lot of parts, and a lot of, um, it, it's really gratifying on repeat listen, because there's sort of something to pick out on every different listen. So I'm really excited for people to hear it. And the genres that are on it, like, are you kind of like dabbling in different things? Because I know like, you know, there's the pop rock part of you, there's the R&B part of you, like soul. Mm -hmm. So like, are you feeding all of those parts? Yeah. You know, the, be the best compliment I've had about it so thus far, as a friend of mine said the other day, it sounds like you, but now. And that really made sense to me. I think that's, that's, that's really the highest compliment you can pay somebody, especially someone who's been away as long as I have. We're not chasing anything. We're not chasing any kind of trend. It, it's not a, a sort of an of the moment kind of pop record in that sense, but it is a, a timeless record. And I think it harkens back to sort of the Dark Horse Birmingham era of my, um, of my recording career. You know, the thing that made those songs special, I think, is that the approach that we took with a song like Dark Horse, which really, you know, lends itself to a country interpretation, that lends itself to uh, a more urban interpretation, was kind of to really mesh the two together. And I think, I think that's what we were, I've always kind of been successful at. It's, it's a natural place for me to be. So this record is, you know, the first single I Hope She Cheats was written by Marsha Ambrosius, who is like a hardcore R&B, urban, hip hop, you know, background songwriter. That's her background. And our interpretation of it is a much different and kind of a more kind of pop rock interpretation of it. There are other songs on the record that are very, very close to the roots of where I came up with. I came up with a lot of guitar players. Jeff Healy was a real big mentor of mine early on. And even though I'm not a guitar player myself, that stuff is really in my blood. So there's a lot of stuff on the record that is very true to kind of where I came from. Was it difficult for you to choose uh, the single? Because I always know, like, even if you've only been gone for two years, it's hard to choose. Right. So being gone for like 20, like, how did that go? No, it, actually, it wasn't. I was I was certain. It's funny because I Hope She Cheats was a late addition to the record. Uh, the song was originally recorded by Marsha herself back in t uh, 2011, I think. I didn't hear it until around 2017, 2018, but I wrote the arrangement and recorded it immediately. It was just a song that spoke to me, but there was something about her um her lyricism that her her work as a lyricist is very it's vicious and it's funny and it's really badass and it's but there was a levity to it that kind of acted as a catalyst for the rest of the record and it really caused me to kind of re-examine some of the other songs that we had written and I, because I wanted that to be a consistent theme throughout the record there's a kind of a quirky kind of funny sarcastic layered thing that I really wanted to have lyrically on the record. And I, and it's, it's there in every single song, even the more earnest kind of uh, interpretations are, are layered with little Easter eggs that people are going to pick out that are, are, you know, that kind of make them unique and interesting and compelling. 
Now you come from a time where I believe uh, sequencing an album was important. And like <laughs> now it's a, it's a singles market. Everybody's like single, single, single. And so, and I'm a huge fan of Janet Jackson and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And I always love how they, you know, sequence her albums. And so I'm wondering how was it for you to sequence this album? Like, you, like, was it a math equation for you? It's so funny that you asked me that because we were literally just talking about that because we just did it. We just sequenced it for production. You know, uh, an engineer that worked with Paul Simon that I also worked with told me once that Paul Simon was a guy who had a method. He had a specific methodology for sequencing. And I can't remember specifically what it was, but it had something to do with key changes and tempos. And it was an ascending order. Things sort of went in an ascending order. And I think Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis worked on a similar principle. If you go back and you listen to those records, a lot of them are like the rockier kind of live off the floor stuff always falls later in the album. And the the kind of more sequenced, like more obvious pop stuff was usually the lighter fare was in the beginning. I don't have a specific philosophy, but it, it's a lot like putting together a live set. If you are a live uh, performer and you're somebody who's done a lot of performing in front of live audiences, you really, you develop a knack for knowing kind of when you're in that pocket, when you're in the right pocket of ascension for songs and sequencing of songs, where things fall in the set, where a mid-tempo ballad is going to be uh, better received, you know, where people need a break. You know, if you've played a lot of like really, really heavy, fast rock songs and then the audience kind of gets to catch its breath and sequencing a record is a lot like that so that's kind of what we did here it's funny because there isn't really on this record a big ballad but what what i was conscious of was that moment at the end of the record that i always love where you lie on your bedroom floor with headphones like maybe as you're just falling asleep and I'm always conscious of that. Like, I always want there to be something on the record that is kind of a wind down period. You know, it makes it sound like an exercise class, but that's kind of where that's kind of where we came from. Now, you mentioned before Dark Horse, because so, so much time has passed in how uh, Elton John brought attention to you when he mentioned it on the Rosie show. And I rewatched the clips and it was so cool to see both like <laughs> him say it and then you on the show a little bit later. What does that mean to you in hindsight, knowing that he did that, like, and he just, he was just being Elton, but he did that. Right. Well, you know, the great thing about Elton John is he's a music lover and he, he I mean, and that, that streak has continued on, you know, for decades. He's a guy who likes to give new artists a leg up and he will always willingly talk about what he's listening to. The funniest part about that story was that I did not know that he had done that as it was happening. I did I didn't, we were on the road, you know, there's one thing about touring is that you're really busy. So I didn't, uh, we were booked on the Rosie show about a week after he had done that, we were already booked to be up here on her show. And it was an anticipation of that, I think, that she asked him about it. And so about a week after that, I was sitting in a restaurant in Whistler, BC, and the major D came running in and he was just gray. And he walked up to our table and said, Miss Marshall, there's a phone call for you. And I was like, who even knows I'm here? Nobody knows I'm here. And I went to take a call and it was Elton John on the phone alerting me that he had spoken of me on, as he put it, American television. <laughs> so that... That was what I remembered about that encounter. And I remember talking about the music with him and talking about the song with him. His, you know, his grasp of that song and that single and his real kind of in-depth understanding of what we had been trying to do with the record was amazing to me that he, he really had taken the time to really listen to the song. He had very specific opinions about the song. It was so gratifying 
for somebody like that so early, really, because I was so, you know, I was so new and nobody really knew who I was for him and for him to then pick up the phone and, and just want to have a conversation about music was just astounding to me. That's amazing. I did want to ask you too, just about your experience with Whitney Houston, because obviously so many of us are still sad that she's no longer with us. What was it like, you know, touring with her? And also what was the biggest lesson you took away from being like around her who had been in the business for so long? That is, it's a big question. And it's really kind of hard to talk about, not because it makes me sad, but just because there's, it's, it's a, it was, that was probably one of the most meaningful experiences of my life as a creative person, but also personally. It was the first time that I had toured with someone whose posters I had grown up with on, on the wall. And I don't think it matters what genre of singer you, you are. Whitney was somebody that everybody, all of us, all singers everywhere grew up with her poster. If you didn't grow up with the posters on the wall, you grew up with the album in your collection. You grew up, she was aspirational to everyone. When we got the chance to tour with her, the first thing I told my manager at the time was, I don't care what we have to do to get on the tour. You know, I don't care if our set is 10 minutes a night. I'll sweep you know, I'll sweep the stage. All I want to do is just be able to stand on the side of the stage and listen to that voice come through those monitors. And I consider it, honestly, one of the really great honors of my life that I got to do it. It makes me furious that she's not here. But the the but that tour was, it was a glimpse, first of all, into true celebrity, like real, real. So we had been on tour with other people, but to see somebody operate at that, at that level was uh, personally very, very meaningful to me. It gave me a whole different perspective on fame, not all of it great. It gave me a, a deep perspective on how I wanted to kind of, you know, what I wanted the trajectory of my life to be and my career to be. And, and honestly, just to listen to her sing every night, there was one night in particular on the tour when we were in the middle of our set and she walked out and started singing with me. And I can't describe to anybody what that feels like. You know, there was another night when we were, you know, I was standing on the side of the stage with Sissy, her mom, and she just was like, come on up. That is remarkable for a singer of that caliber, for someone who has no interest really and no reason, no compelling reason to really lift somebody else up like that was remarkable to me. She was, she was remarkable. Now, in preparation for our chat today, I have literally gone through every social media post, your YouTube channel, like everything I can get my hands on. I've done it. And the and one of the things that really has stuck out to me over the last couple of weeks of getting prepared for this is you just seem in such a happy place and you're like exuding positivity and like joy. Is this an accurate observation? It is entirely accurate. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, somebody asked me, you know, like what, what does it, what does it feel like after 20 years to be doing it again? Is it like slipping back into a warm bath or is it like getting hosed down with like freezing cold water? And it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, it's, this is a familiar, you know, a familiar thing to me on some level, but on another level, it's totally changed. You know, the music business has changed. The world has changed, but doing this as an adult, really, I mean, at, at 20, you know, 21, 22, Technically, you're an adult, but really, not so much. I mean, like your brain is still forming, you know, so to be doing it as an adult now and to be uh, able to be in control on a level that you couldn't, you you can't, you know, at 19 or 20, you can, you can be surrounded by the best people in the world, but you're still developing. So to do it as an adult and to do it as a fully formed person who is sort of sure-footed and 
in a, you know, and in an otherwise great place, you know, I'm in a really great place personally. My life has really sort of uh, taken a, a, a path that I'm truly, truly happy with. So it, it, to do that, it, to do this, to do something that I love in the midst of all of that is I think probably that's what it is. I'm just, I, I really am just really happy. And as I said, I didn't have any expectations for the record. So this is really just a bonus to be out again touring and to have been received this way is just overwhelming. It's really amazing. Now you came out when social media was not a thing. Now it's a mm. huge thing. So Amanda Marshall, what is your favorite social media platform? Oh, my favorite social <sighs> Um, I guess I'd have to say I probably waste the most time on Instagram, you know, like everybody else. Um, yeah, probably Instagram. Okay, amazing. And uh, I just have a couple of quick questions because I, I don't want to keep you for too long, even though I would love to talk to you for two hours. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is Amanda Marshall uh, currently manifesting? I currently manifesting. Oh, man. This is, uh, you know, like right now, you can't see this, but I'm wearing my sitting down shoes. So right now, currently, I am manifesting comfortable shoes. I've, I've developed a philosophy, track pants for every occasion and comfortable shoes. Life is otherwise too short. <laughs> <laughs> if you could switch places with another artist or producer for one day, who would it be and why? Hmm. Probably, I, I feel like everybody says this, but probably Prince. He's someone that I never got an opportunity to meet or work with, but he's someone that I would have just liked to have sort of seen how the sausage was made with him. I, I know people have worked really closely with him, but he's a guy that like hearing the story secondhand isn't enough. I really would have liked to have sort of seen that up close. What is always in your fridge? It's always in my fridge. Um, what is always in my fridge? Hummus. <laughs> that is solid. Um, this goes with everything. What is your favorite way to procrastinate? What is my favorite way to pro Oh, Instagram. I I'd have to say Instagram. We're just generally being online, you know? Best thing about Montreal. Best thing about Montreal. The smoke meat and the people. Yeah. Would you ever live here? I almost did. Um, I actually almost moved to Montreal uh, at, a, at a certain point. There was, uh, there was a, a, a question uh, as to whether or not I was going to live in Montreal. I spent some time in Nova Scotia when I was uh, a kid. We lived there for three or four years. And we would drive on the weekends from Halifax. We would make the drive to Montreal to like go shopping and eat and stuff. And I love Montreal. I grew up going back and forth to Montreal. And in my very, like late teens, I was like, I think I moved to Montreal. But then I started playing music in Toronto and I sort of, it sort of went from there. There's so many amazing artists in Canada nowadays. You are someone who I'm sure has influenced so many of the ones who are out now. Of the ones who are out now, or even let's say like an Alanis Morissette, who would Amanda Marshall like to collaborate with on the Canadian level? Oh boy, that's a really good question. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like we don't see enough like women collaborating. You know, I know Tennille Towns is like tearing it up on the country scene right now. And I think that kind of like that kind of juxtaposition. Like, I feel like we see, you see like, you know, like Shania um, with uh, what's his name? Oh no. I'm forgetting his name. Harry Styles. With, no, with the hat, with the country dude, with the oh, hat. Oh yeah. I know who you mean. Whose name, we've, whose name I, it's going to come to me the minute we hang up here, but it'll come <laughs> to me. You, you see a lot of like men and women collaborating, but like, yeah, like, men, you know, women, I, I think you don't see enough of it. So yeah. Like somebody like Tennille Towns, I think is really interesting. Amazing. And any message for your Montreal fans? 
just that we can't wait to see everybody. I'm so excited to be coming back to Montreal. You know, there's so many, the thing about Montreal, in addition to just the, the, uh, the regular folk who are coming out to the show is there are so many great musicians in Montreal. I have worked with so many great musicians from Montreal. They've been in my band. Uh, ironically, a couple of them were with me on that Whitney tour. So we've, you know, we have a long storied, really tight history with Montreal. So I can't wait to come back. I haven't been back since since before the way before the pandemic so we're really excited to come back well it has been such a joy to have you on my show and on behalf of all your fans in montreal and i want to even say across the country thank you for coming back please don't leave us again (laughs) i won't thank you so much it was really really a pleasure talking to you the kelly alexander show listen anytime any place just a click away kellyalexandershow.com The Kelly Alexander Show is proud to be celebrating the 30th anniversary of Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation album and tour, and we are so excited to welcome back to the show dancer, choreographer, teacher, and actress Kelly Kono, uh, who danced with Janet on three different world tours. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us again on the show. I am so excited to be back, Kelly. (laughs) Perfect. Well, we haven't spoken to you in a couple of years. Like the last time was the 20th anniversary of Velvet Rope. And since our chat, uh, you got to experience the Hollywood Bowl. So we're going to get to that because I can't wait to get, um, you know, what those those memories were like. Uh, So I can't wait to get there. But I did want to bring you back to Rhythm Nation stuff. So first of all, I'm just wondering, um, when, when did you actually become a Janet fan? Was it when you first heard Control or was it earlier than that? I swear to God, it was actually watching the Rhythm Nation video. Wow. It was either Rhythm Nation or the Miss You Much, like that whole series of videos that, that, you know, came along with that. But um, I remember watching it and seeing Lori Warner, one of, she was a dancer with like the high ponytail Mm -hmm. in it. And, um, (laughs) and I remember seeing her in class in LA and I was just like, oh my gosh, I want to be one of those dancers, which is crazy because yeah. then I became one. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool because I remember I we, we were lucky to have uh, Cynthia on the show a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah. she, and she said, awesome. yeah, she was super happy to be back, and which was great. And she said that when she saw, um, she went to the forum to see the Rhythm Nation uh, tour mm-hmm. there. And she said that that was life changing for her. So would you say kind of like in oh a way it was life changing for you to, to see that video? And, and like, did you say at the time like to yourself, like, I'm going to dance for Janet one day? Yes, I think I did say that. Well, I don't think I fully believed that maybe I could dance for her one day, but I think I said to myself, I want to, mm-hmm. like, I want to be like those, da- I would love to be able to dance for her one day. Did I really believe that it would happen? <laughs> I don't know about that. But, um, and I never even got to see the Rhythm Nation tour. If I would have actually seen the tour, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would have, I would have flipped, but I, I remember seeing the video at home on TV on much music and going, whoa, that's so cool. I, you know, I want to do that one day. Now, with regards to Rhythm Nation, oh, yes, definitely life changing, life changing for Kelly, sure. Definitely life changing. <laughs> and when it comes to the album itself, did you have a song right away that was your favorite song off the album and has kind of stayed with you? I mean, I loved Miss You Much. I'm, I'm assuming that was on that album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know the Rhythm Nation, what songs are on the Rhythm Nation album. Rhythm Nation is the knowledge yeah. on that album. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I can't say one specific song, but okay. I just remember, like, I remember having 
you know, control was my very first experience and exposure to Janet. And I remember having the the cassette tape of control Mm -hmm. and I played that like ridiculously a lot and danced in my basement. And then when rhythm nation came out, I'm sure I had it and had it on repeat for, I probably drove my parents crazy (laughs) with that, listening to that album. It was just the coolest. It was just like the cool, like so different and, fun and powerful and yeah it was like my I don't know I just it it definitely had an impact on me for sure now when you started working with Janet it was during the Janet album and I kind of wanted to know were you because obviously you know the the new album was out so you had all the songs to learn for that album and that was obviously Mm going to be the focus when you were out on tour but was there Mm -hmm. um anxiety or whatever you want to call it uh, or a little bit of fear knowing that you also had to learn all the rhythm nation stuff and obviously i think anybody even if we're not a dancer we know that those moves are super intricate yeah no i i I don't really remember ever feeling fearful of it i remember feeling very excited to learn it and ready to learn it and ready to like you know carry on the the legacy of of it i just felt so honored to be you know to to learn it from the people that were in it. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just super cool. Like, I mean, one of my very first jobs, even in Vancouver, Anthony Thomas, uh, was the choreographer for a film called stay tuned and salt and pepper were in it. And, and so that was my first experience with Anthony Thomas. I remember just being in awe of him then because he was the choreographer of Rhythm Nation. And and I just loved his style. It just fit really well on my body. It was very intricate and detailed, but my brain was ready for it. And and so when we learned it with Janet, I was just ready. I, I wasn't really fearful. I think I was just honored to learn it and excited to learn it. And when you learned it, was it Tina that was teaching you guys for that, like for the Janet? Because obviously that was her baby, but like, was it was Tina? Yeah. If I if I can remember, did we bring Anthony in? Um, I'm not sure whether Anthony taught us or I think Tina did teach us. Terry Bixler was still in helping us out because he was, yeah, so Terry would be there, uh, Tina, and I mean they knew it so well. Mm-hmm. Whether and I don't remember whether Anthony joined us. I don't think he did because I remember when we did the Hollywood Bowl, which I know we'll get to, um, being taught, you know, being reviewed uh, Rhythm Nation with Anthony was a whole other experience for me because there were things that we I didn't know the meaning behind or like that there was a story behind every move okay that's crazy so that so that was cool now and I wanted to ask you too because obviously I mentioned off the top that you uh, you know danced for Janet for a long time three different tours and uh I'm just wondering like as the tours would go on and you kind of were a bit further removed from Rhythm Nation um you know Mm -hmm. the release of it and then you would would have these younger dancers like did you feel a responsibility on your shoulders Cal because I know like you know you often helped with a lot of the um the workload and stuff Mm -hmm. like was there a responsibility on your shoulders you felt to make sure the younger people got it oh yeah I would I would always go back to the original video and make sure that we were 
you know, if there was a question on where a hand was, like I was very diligent about making sure that I did it justice because I would never want to let like Anthony down or um, <laughs> uh, the video. So, yeah, I definitely felt a responsibility and um, took it seriously and made sure the younger dancers knew how important this was and it wasn't just another number in the show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was... Yeah, a huge, a huge um, job for me to carry on, and and I was happy to do it. I was and, honored to do it. Hello. And did all of those dancers again because they were again further removed from when the actual release happened? Yeah. Did they still get it? Did they realize? Because I think now that we're celebrating the 30th anniversary of Rhythm Nation, there's like a resurgence of realizing how important that song was and that mm-hmm. album was, especially with the state of the world mm-hmm. uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but was there a bit of like a mental check that you guys had to do with some of these dancers to be like, look, like there's a, a whole message behind this. There's a, you know, there's a legacy we have to uphold. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if anybody gave us any type of like not, you know, not doing it full out or giving it importance or I I think we would have just squashed that right away. I don't remember anybody in particular having, you know, me having to do that. But I think I think it's so cool that it has it's coming to surface again and people are starting to realize because it really is timeless it's historical it'll go down in history it was life-changing for many people and it's still relevant Mm -hmm. and the choreography is not dated that's the that's the craziest thing like that's really hard to do like that's that's genius you know um i can still do rhythm nation i i I will never not be able to not do Rhythm Nation because it's just instilled in my body. I try to teach it to my own students to just keep it alive. And we even did it in my year-end show last season because um, I wanted to just teach it to the, you know, the younger kids at my studio. And they're just recreational kids, but they understood you know, they understood the importance of it and I made them watch the video and I made them study it and learn the lyrics of the opening. Um, yeah, so it's kind of cool that it's still in my life to this day. Yeah, it's really interesting that you said that because we had Jimmy Locust on the show recently and he talked about, because he yeah. obviously has his own dance studio and and he talks about how uh, Rhythm Nation is still affecting his life to this day and just kind of the message of it. Cool. Uh, yeah, and so it's interesting to see like that it, it, it definitely is translated to many of the dancers that it's they still feel like a, like a responsibility towards upkeeping the legacy of it. I think that's awesome. And uh, I wanted yeah. to ask you too, like when you were initially learning the steps for it, um, you know, obviously, I know, again, the focus on the first Janet tour was the Janet songs. But for the Rhythm Nation mm-hmm. numbers, like, which one was the most fun for you to learn? And maybe which one was the most challenging for you to learn? You mean for which tour? Yeah, well, for probably for the like, Janet album, I would say, like, when you had to learn all those Rhythm Nation numbers initially for the first time, like, like which ones did you enjoy learning the most? And maybe was, was Rhythm Nation the actual most challenging one to pick up? Oh, yeah. I, I, I would say, I mean, I always looked forward to the you know whatever we were going to do because rhythm nation was always going to be in the show Mm -hmm. so we we knew that every time we did a tour we have to do rhythm nation but how were we going to switch it up a bit um whether it be costume wise or you know like they always were my favorite rhythm nation was always my favorite costume in the show like the first time and then we did we we did nunchucks like tina made us use nunchucks and we had to that was crazy challenging because you can't 
mess up. Like if you drop them, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you drop them. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to drop them. But to do it in a live show every every concert, there is a definite chance you might drop your nunchucks in, the, in that section. So that was really cool, to, a, a great challenge for us. And then every every tour that would happen, you know, I looked more forward to like the little breakdowns that would be a little bit different um, in the costumes, like the one the one time we had like Russian looking hats and it was that was always one of my favorites in the show, I would have to say. And in the all together, like, I mean, Miss You Much is a very close second, but it, that was, that's more of like a happy, happy song where we just be able to like, you know, it, it, it didn't have quite the impact that Rhythm Nation had on the audience. So, um, yeah, it'll always have a special place in my heart and probably be one of my favorites to ever perform um, every, every tour. Yeah, and it's funny that you brought up the audience because I, I actually want to fo- follow uh, you on, on that line with regards to the audience and mm-hmm. performing Rhythm Nation because, again, you did it on so many different tours. What was the reaction? Because I, I know you guys are busy up there doing your thing, but I'm sure you obviously see the faces mm-hmm. of some of the crowd. Like, What's your take on the response that Rhythm Nation got throughout the years from the, the audience? It was just like a, it was like that, you know, that anthem song or that, that thing that just unites everybody. There just seems to be like, okay, so if there's a few songs in there that maybe somebody doesn't know or maybe not as popular, like they still groove to it. But as soon as that five, four, three, two, one would hit, the it just took the audience to a, another energy level you know what I mean so it got loud and screamed and just a wave of energy because everybody in that arena knows that song and that that's pretty powerful oh my goodness <laughs> not many songs I don't think could you know spark that reaction well maybe scream but (laughs) well there's a few but (laughs) rhythm nation definitely they would go crazy for that okay that's and understandably yeah joining us on the show a dancer choreographer teacher and actress kelly kono you can follow her on instagram at k kono and check out her website (laughs) kellykono.com and kelly's giggling but i know it's because she's going to post more on instagram so that's what's happening (laughs) no pressure kel i love that you're challenging me to one a week i'm I'm gonna try that's it that's it baby steps so i have to bring you back now to two years ago october of 2017 when did you find out that this hollywood hollywood bowl thing was going to be a thing I remember okay, Janet was on tour, I believe, at that point, and she was just in Vancouver. And I remember sh- hanging out with her in Vancouver before sh- her show, and she was kind of hinting to like something like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you. We have something in, we have something brewing." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "Okay, cool." And but she didn't tell me then, and then. I remember Solomon interviewing me and backstage and stuff. And, and then literally like, I don't know, a few weeks later, she calls me and I'm getting off the ferry coming back home. And she was like, and she told me that, that that's a, that we, she was going to invite all the, the past dancers that have toured to come back and do Rhythm Nation. And I was just like, what? I was so excited. I was so I wasn't even nervous. I was just excited. Like I was like, is this really going to happen? And she was like, yes. I was like, okay, I'm there. Like, 
I'll drop everything to be there. So it was, um, yeah, that was when I think she, she personally told me, which was nice. Cause you know, and, and then I got a, a call from her, you know, Jaime and, and her team. And I was like, yes, I already know I'm down. <laughs> That's awesome. So, it was super cool. Yeah. So take us to that weekend. So like, did you fly in a couple of days early? Like, how did that all work out for you? Um, okay. I, can't, I still can't believe it's been two years. Wow. Um, yeah, I think they just flew me out and... You know, I could have stayed at my sister's house because I've got lots of friends there and stuff. But there was, I just wanted to be with everybody. So they, they put anybody that was flying in from out of town at, the, at, at a hotel that we used to stay at on tour. Like, they still use this, this one hotel in L.A. And so that was crazy to be back at that same hotel that I used to, you know, be there staying on tour and then um, going back for that. And then, yeah, we all... It was very cool because I got to like meet up with Tish and because she was staying there and um, Cynthia joined us and um, we were reviewing the the choreo in my hotel room before we went to the actual rehearsal. Um, but yeah, we just kind of dived in. As soon as I landed, it was it wasn't a trip for me per like it wasn't a personal trip for me to go visit my nephew and my family. It was I was fully focused on just being fully merged in the experience of being back with everybody. And what was it like when you launched into that rehearsal? Because I know at first, you know, because we've had Anthony and Terry on the show talking about it, and it sounds like initially there wasn't supposed to be that many people, but then, like, everybody showed up. Oh, yeah. Um, I I mean, I, I was just, I was so ready. I was so excited. I mean, I was lucky. Be, I'm... I was lucky because I, I remember the choreography. I didn't have to have the stress of not remembering it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas some people haven't done it for a long time, right? So, so like, they're having to kind of relearn it and get it back in their system. I, I didn't have that stress on me. So I was just, like, I, I was just enjoying every minute of it. Uh, I, I don't think I didn't have a smile on my face. I was very serious about trying to do it you know, take any notes that Anthony had for us. And, you know, it, but at the same time, every two seconds, a new dancer would walk into the room and then, you know, all concentration would break and we'd be all hugging. And so it was, it was a little bit of everything that day. It was um, really special. What was it like for you at the party that I know Janet threw for you guys, like reception, whatever you want to call it, where you guys all got to hang out? Like, what yeah. did that feel like being sick? Especially because, Kelly, you've been on, like, so many different tours. So, so you had a wide scope, I think, of knowing yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, of people. Yeah, because we really, you know, I felt like I really knew everybody. Um, I'm sure it was a different experience for people that, you know, were on one tour and don't know the other people personally. But I think once you've danced for Janet, you are a family and um, you're a Janet dancer and it didn't really matter. And it was really nice to come to come together and catch up and, you know, just we're all in different stages of our lives, right? right now and and so what you know you lose touch with people but it it just was a way to go hey we spent we spent some really cool times together and I was so thankful for Janet for doing that for us like even having that night it wasn't just about going to rehearsal and going to perform at the Hollywood Bowl that night was more special than anything where we're you know of course Janet's style being in the most 
swanky hotel rooftop in LA, like the most gorgeous setting, you know, food and drinks galore. It was just like, just how she would always treat us. And, and everybody was, everybody was very kind and, um, and sweet to each other. And it was just, it was really sweet. I I loved, I loved that night. And it was, um, I'll thank her. I couldn't believe she did that for us. And well, yes, I can. <laughs> that's what she does. <laughs> I, uh, when we had, uh, we had Nikki on the show, not long after the event happened back in 2017, again, cool. she, was, she was sort of doing her, uh, her chat about velvet rope then. And when I was chatting to Nikki, and I know that you guys are, are really good friends. Um, she actually got emotional mm-hmm. during our interview because for, I think, oh. for, yeah, like for a couple of reasons she, and she kept apologizing for being emotional, but I was like, of course this was special for you. But I know that like her daughter got to see her for the first time on stage and then I think also yes. there was just the fact that Nikki got to see all of you guys again and to see Janet and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just yes. wondering, like, is that, um, did, was that pervasive amongst everyone? Like everyone was kind of like emotional and just like so nostalgic, I oh, guess. Yeah. And great, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I lost it a few times. Like I just couldn't. And it was just, it was just like tears of just like pure joy. You know, like, I mean, I even get worked up about it now. It's thinking about it. Cause you're just like, everybody's just so grateful for the experience and you know we we all did it and I'm sure there's parts within each one of us that wishes we can turn back time every once in a while and and just experience that part of our lives because it was really awesome like it was just a great time so why wouldn't we get emotional about thinking about it and then seeing each other and making and seeing that everybody was doing so great and you know have families and her her daughter gets to see her on stage like this is so, like Janet gave people an opportunity that we would have never got to do like my nephew was in the audience watching me on stage he has no idea I mean I think he had an idea that I was a professional dancer but he's never seen me personally because I'm not a professional dancer anymore I'm a choreographer and actor and but he's never seen me perform with a major pop artist on on the Hollywood Bowl stage so that was you know she gave us these crazy this crazy experience to relive like it was like it was like back to the future, mm-hmm. I guess. It, it was just a really cool moment that we all will never uh, forget and will cherish. And I don't think any of us really wanted it to end. Yeah, I think <laughs> Tina said that she would have actually hit the, hit the road if Janet had asked her <laughs> for a couple of days. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think eat everybody on that stage would have. Can you speak a little bit about like, because again, you know, fans are listening and, and they love Janet for whatever reason that they love her. Uh, there's, and there's many to, yeah. you know, reasons to love her. But knowing that you're her friend and, and you know, you, again, you dance with her for, mm-hmm. for so many tours. Like, I don't think any other pop artist or either, any other artist could have pulled this off with what she did with that Hollywood Bowl performance. And why do you think it was important for her no. to do that? Why do you think it was important for her to do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Janet's been one of those artists that, you know, has really given so much importance to her dancers and the people that shared the stage with her. And she really, you know, she was a dance, she is a dance artist and a dancer herself. And so I think she's really been, I mean, the only artist 
in my life that has treated us the way that the best way possible that a dancer could be treated, you know, um, and that shows a lot about how much she cares about her dancers. So I think it was just her way of, again, saying, you know, her appreciation to all of us for, cause, because Rhythm Nation would not have been Rhythm Nation without all those dancers as well. So it was, it's just a mutual respect and, um, and everybody feels the same. I really truly feel like everybody feels the same way. And that's why everybody showed up, you know, or most everybody showed up and the ones that couldn't be there, there was a very good reason why they couldn't be. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't, I don't really see any other, I can't imagine any other artist that has cared so deeply about their dancers. I'm sure there are in their own way, but she was just by far, I mean, everybody wanted to be a Janet dancer Mm because they knew how we were treated. We were treated like celebrities and like her, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We weren't just the dancers. We were like her with her. And so that, that, that will always be something that I've been like, also like, it wasn't good enough to just dance for Janet and be able to tour the world. Like then we also got treated so well. Yeah. I feel I like I won the lottery 10 times. Wow. And can you, I guess I know our our time's almost done, but I I did want to ask too, like when you are a Janet dancer, like it almost seems that you are part of a fraternity or, you know, a sorority or whatever you want to call it. um, That just is like a Mm -hmm. lifelong thing. And so I'm wondering like when you were at that Hollywood bowl, um, you know, a weekend, Mm -hmm. even if you hadn't, I know because, you know, her her current dancers were with her too. Like, is there just like an understanding Mm -hmm. amongst all of you, whether you were on the 1990 tour versus the 2001 tour? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I think everybody was just like, who cares what tour you're on? The fact that you were just a part of it. I mean, and, and let's not forget all the dancers that were in the videos that maybe didn't tour with her that, you know, weren't even a part of that experience. They are also included in that. I mean, if she, if she opened it up to everybody that's danced for her, we wouldn't have fit on the stage. Right. So she, you know, she had to limit, she had to limit it, but there's so many other dancers that also are Janet dancers that have been in videos and just, they just didn't tour that we all have a mutual uh, respect and love and bond with each other because we got to work with a great one, you know? We mm-hmm. got to work with her and, and she demands a lot of her dancers no matter whether it's today, you know, 30 years ago, uh, it's the same. She's She cares that much. It's never, it's never not been there. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's what we all share. And yeah, it is like a fraternity, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, a bond, a family. Uh, yeah, a Rhythm Nation family, I guess I'd call it. <laughs> that's amazing. And uh, before I let you go, what are you up to these days that people can find Kelly Kono? Because I know you have a lot going on. Yeah, I've just been choreographing a lot. I just got back on working off of a, um, working on a Disney film that's coming out um, called Upside Down Magic. It's for kids. And we were shooting that over on Vancouver Island for the summer. And um, I've been choreographing lots for Legend, the, the show Legends of Tomorrow, which is a CW show all about superheroes. 
Um, so yeah, lots of choreography gigs that I've been doing here in Vancouver because Vancouver's, you know, there's so much filming here. And um, besides that, and then running my little my little studio here on where I live has been quite a highlight of my last couple years. And um, and my acting, I'm going to be jumping back into. I had to pause it for a little bit, but I still the last film I was in it was uh, what was it called? Tempting Fate with Alyssa Milano, which was totally surreal because I used to watch her on Who's the Boss growing up. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, last question before I let you go, what do you want to say to the fans? Because I know that like they love you so much. Like you've just, you've been around. um, You're always so kind. Like I know when I first met you, you couldn't have been more sweet to me. So you always have a special place in my heart. And I know that so many of the other fans feel the same way about Kelly Kono. Well, you know what? I just say thank you for loving us and for loving Janet and for being so dedicated and loyal like loyal to me is everything and I know the Janet fans are super loyal and um, I just want to say thank you and thank you for being so kind to me I mean I you guys have made my life and to be asked for an autograph are you kidding me like that was crazy for me that that was life-changing for me (laughs) so and to make me feel famous like that was my little dose of feeling famous was from you guys so thank you for uh letting me have that experience in life Awesome. Kel, thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, Kelly. Anytime. And um, thank you so much for having me back on the show. Perfect. That is dancer, choreographer, teacher, and actress Kelly Kono. Follow her on Instagram, at kkono. And again, check out her website, kellykono.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. As always, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week. And a big thank you to our guests, Amanda Marshall and Kelly Kono. My thanks as well to our producer, Andrew Sabino, for producing the show. And don't forget that you can listen to us on the many different podcast platforms that are out there. Things like Apple, Spotify, Google Play and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab our social media handles and you can do that by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.